tipped in the air and knocked away. KU's got to win it. Blah, big time two-hand slam by Hunter Dickinson. Kansas is the 2023 WNIT champions. This is the Jayhawker Podcast, presented by the University of Kansas Health System. Welcome to the Anderson Family Football Complex. Our guest today on the Jayhawker Podcast is none other than Lance Leipold, our head football coach, along with Wayne Simeon. The Jayhawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and Black and Veatch. Coach, busy, busy time right now. Uh, bowl game prep and everything else you got to do. Welcome the Jacker Podcast. Yeah, it's great to be back with you guys. Happy holidays, and it's been an exciting fall. Been a very busy December, and uh, we're getting ready uh, to leave later this week to, for Phoenix. Well, we thought it would be uh, a great idea to do it here in your office with the view of David Booth Memorial Stadium and the progress that Wayne and I talk about all the time is messy, mm-hmm. but messy is good, mm-hmm. right? You get to sit right over there, look out there, and see every day what this is about to become. How excited are you for the eventual new stadium? It's a very exciting time, very much. It's it's great to see, even though loud, messy, as you said, but uh, much like our program, it's been, the program's been under construction. Now it's great to see the stadium taking, taking place as well. You know, Coach, when a lot of people think of the Gateway Project, naturally they're considering uh, the additions to the stadium, the conference center, the amenities, the suites and whatnot. But not a lot of people give attention to what's actually going to happen to this football complex mm-hmm. and how it's going to affect your program on a daily basis. Tell yeah. us about some of those things and why you're so excited about yeah, it. Great question, Wayne, because, you know, sometimes when, you know, when, when Travis Goff or any of administration we talk, we're excited about the stadium because our fans deserve that as well. But it's, it, for, for us in, in this building and on this staff, it's about the day-to-day things that, that our players need and use and uh, as we know, we renovated the the locker room and the weight room last spring through the summer. Our players had a chance to use that. Now we'll renovate the training room, our meeting rooms. We'll add on to this building, have a new team meeting room that will overlook the stadium. Um, we're going to have some room for some academic things here. We're going to have a virtual. Uh, um, walk through a room for teaching and, and uh, you know, not on-field stuff, but on-field training. So there's a lot of things that will be added to this building that will put us on par with many of our peers. Well, well speaking of a lot of things that's going to be added to this building and added to your job, you know, you and I talk all the time about how your job has changed. Or It's still the same as far as being a football coach, but all the other things like, you know, the Anderson Family Complex – staffs have changed they've grown immensely therefore this was built in 08 you needed space yeah you need space more than anything because you've got analysts and a recruiting department which used to be two is now turned into 10 and there just isn't space and over here at at the david booth memorial stadium we're connected obviously you just needed space right and uh, as this builds on it'll connect to the stadium um We've, we've used some rooms for, for multifaceted things, a chancellor's lounge uh, for, a, for a dining area. We're going to have a, a new dining area that will be used on game day for, for boosters and fans. So a lot of those things will, will kind of transition that way. That will be nice. And as you said, the, the game continues to grow. Staffs grow. Um, 
specialization, so to speak, whether it be in, in personnel and recruiting and then analyzing and coaching, and then the on-field guys are doing multiple things still. And uh, that's exciting, and, and the space is uh, needed and is going to be well used. It's interesting seeing how a head coach's role has expanded over the years. So, so now you're, you're part architect, you're part <laughs> jersey design. We were talking about some of the jersey and helmet designs, and it sounds like you get a chance to enjoy that. General manager for the program, XYZ, as that role has evolved over the years, which one has which which portion of that role energizes you the most? It's been a little bit a little bit different. Whoa, uh, that's a loaded one. I I tell you the one that that probably gets keeps getting pushed down is the actual sometimes coaching, which is really the disappointing part of it. That the things that you started off doing in your you know way back thirty years ago sometimes is the one that we keep talking about adding staff that you've got your hands in so many other things. The day-to-day stuff sometimes really, really gets lost. I, I still think, um, for me, when I see things that are get approved or completed in projects that I know excite our student-athletes, I think I get the most fulfillment out of. Ones that maybe I, I truly believe in the most that are, to me, needle movers, so to speak, and things that can help get us... Uh, you know, where we've been been behind before in Kansas football, get us either on par or even move ahead of some people. That, to me, I, I find rewarding. And, uh, and, and I know it's going to benefit this program for many years to come. So that could be some of the things we did last year. And, and for, for, for Travis and our administration to jump on board with that vision to quickly renovate the two areas our, our players spend the most time to reward the players that have helped turn this program around, I thought was very impactful. And again, uh, from my chair, very rewarding. Yeah, and you talk about the importance of this Anderson family complex and the fact that 99% of your time and your team's time is here. Yeah. That's locker room, that's academics, that's meeting rooms. This facility has, to, it was cutting edge back in 08 mm-hmm. when it was built, but now. You're, you're just at the mercy of the newest one. And, right. and, and we're going to have the nicest football stadium in the country for a year or two when this gets right. done. <laughs> but then the next one and the next one. And just keeping up with the Joneses is a fact of life. Yeah. And it's unique because I, I think here at Kansas more than maybe other places is because of our success in basketball and the venue in which they play has its own advantages though it may be older. Right. And and then so sometimes you'll go, well, why do you need that if they do that? But in but today you get a in a program like ours that's fighting to climb the ranks, you have to have something that's gonna catch the eye and the attention of the recruit, but also once they get here to provide resources that's going to help them develop into the player they want to be. So by finding those avenues that make, you know, you know, this is hard. I tell our guys all the time, if it was easy, everybody on your high school team would be doing it. But because of that, how can we make the daily part of the obligation that they need to do to put, to invest in themselves, in their team and do those things to make it as easy as we can convenience wise. And I think uh, this new facility will do so. And I think this is a, we've just spent 20 minutes, which is a microcosm in my opinion of, of college (laughs) athletics. We've spent the first 20 minutes talking about everything but what? Football. <laughs> right. And, and, and that, you know, it is what it is. 
-hmm. You know, we've got a great team on the field. We've got back-to-back bowl games. And what are we talking about? Facilities. Facilities. Yep. And we're Mm -hmm. talking about player retention. We're talking about recruiting. And that's a fact of life. Yeah, I I agree. And But I would also say that 30 months ago, arriving in, in into Lawrence, Kansas, this, these were things that everybody knew right. needed attention. It isn't like we had to come in and, and, and pick out a blemish. It, we, we knew we were behind in some things. I think Travis and I both together as we traveled that first year within the conference and other places, it became more apparent the sense of urgency to get some yeah. of this addressed. And, and, and again, I, I commend all of them for getting that done. And as you say, there are so many more things that go with this job than, than what it was um, yeah. a few years back. And you brought up our administration. You know, number one, they make a home run hire with you. Uh, and then last year, after a great year, the retention of our coaches, all 10 assistants mm-hmm. you were able to keep because of our administration putting the best foot forward right. to say, Absolutely. let's maintain this momentum. Right. And, and again, there's going to be – and, and sometimes we can all, all grow from new situations. So, so that, that may happen. But to keep those guys, all 10, to be working with our players, the consistency that our players need, I, I think. And I think we'll be able to continue to, uh, you know, keep that intact for, you know, as best as possible. And, you know, you'll never say never. Um, and, again, you go back to what the administration has done and what they've seen as ways to give us this fighting competitive chance. Well, as we think about all that we have ahead of us, the bowl game, the stadium, the future, a lot of excitement, momentum behind that. But as you think about this last football season, uh, what are some things that you look back at, reflect on, that you can really take some pride and satisfaction in? And then what are a few things you're like, man, let's, we got to get better in these areas if we're going to continue to, uh, to, to, mm-hmm. to take big steps forward? Well, great. Another great question. I, I, I think you start off with early in the year. You know, we host a, a Big Ten team, uh, you know, here on a Friday night. ESPN2 crowd, a lot of things happening. We had a great environment. Um, you know, those are the type of teams, if we want to grow as a program, we got to find a way to win, and, and we did, and I thought we played extremely well. I think, again, going through those first four games undefeated and, and having a chance to get off to a good starting conference play, I think then handling the adversity of losing Jalen Daniels and, and, and the player and the person that he is, and again, to respond to that. And then later in the season, we lose, we lose Jason, and, and then we start a true freshman. Um, I am really proud of the way that we persevered through that. Mm-hmm. Um, getting, a, getting a home win against the top 10 Oklahoma team, and, and you, know, you know, sometimes those get to be blurring moments for me during a game, but... Here they are, you know, we're, we're burning our timeouts with under three minutes to play, and they get one more timeout, it's a, or excuse me, one more first down, and it's over. And we find a way to get a stop, get the ball, go down and score, and then, and then uh, probably score too quickly, and then we have to hold them. So it was some exciting times right there. And, uh, and then you look at the Texas Tech and K-State games. We had our opportunities. I think we've shown we've closed the gap on, on, on a lot of schools, and we had an opportunity to go up three scores. Um, here for the last home game, and we let that opportunity and that game a little slip away and, and, uh, and let the momentum slide from us. But, again, um, I, I, had a, I had one of our boosters say to me, you know, oh, we could have been 10-2. and two. And I said, yeah, I remember we were 2-10. and 10. So, um, you know, we're, 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 on, we're on the cusp of some exciting times. 
And um, we say this all the time in, 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 in the walls of this building is, you know, it's three to five plays every game. And some of those games, whether it be the road win at Iowa State, you know, we answer with a score. We, we convert a third down to Jared Casey. If that ball hangs up in there another fraction of a second, they're probably going to break it up and we're punting the ball. And uh, But then again, Oklahoma game, those plays went our way. Yeah. And uh, so when you say those, there, there's plenty of them, Wayne. And uh, and I and and then we had two tough losses at home, and to end the year with a convincing win on the road, where where I think a lot of teams you got bowl eligibility. What are you really playing for? And we went out and and, and played with a lot of confidence and won convincingly. You know, for someone that's been around a long time, Wayne included, we've been through some really bad times, and I think that what was always one of the common themes was depth. And you mentioned it mm-hmm. with some some problems you had with Jalen. Jalen wasn't able to play, and then Jason gets hurt, and we're able to win eight games because we had depth. Yep. And, and that's the program that you're building. And now as we're in bowl prep, and not just bowl prep, but spring prep, next year yeah. prep, Keeping guys, recruiting guys, <laughs> it's just such an am- amazingly different landscape. It, it is, and, and the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness has all contributed to that. And, and again, we live in a society where, where guys change high schools um, you know, more than, than they ever did before, and they look for opportunities, and, and player development has a new to you know a new meaning to it it's hard to get players to understand we all want we live in an instant society you know with technology and a lot of things and developing patience is is hard with young men so we try to get that and 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 I think we've done a good job on both sides of the ball trying to rotate players our practice models we try to make sure we're developing we try in games I think you've seen offensively a lot of different guys get get touches of the ball and, uh, and hopefully that, that helps your morale, helps confidence, helps player retention. But it, it is more and more difficult in those areas. But uh, as, as we look on paper, if we can hold this group together, we got, we, we got the chances to be a, a, a team that's going to be reckoned with next year. Coach, I want to ask you about impact players. And I think when people hear that phrase, they automatically think of a Jason Bean, a Devin Neal, a Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant. Who is the impact player that you feel has not gotten enough credit on this year's team? Well, we're both sides of the ball. Could be the first guy that comes to your mind, but but there, there's got to be impact player that isn't getting the credit he deserves. Well, I think, you know, probably the first one was, I think it was nice to see they got recognized by our conference was Austin Booker. You know, being, being the, you know, we lost Lonnie Phelps, who elected to, to go into the draft. We brought Austin in, and he comes in. He's impactful pass rusher, gets first-team all-conference. I think our two corners in, in uh, Mellow Dots and Kobe Bryant in the plays that they've made. Um, you know, I, our receiver core has been so steady and complementary of each other, it's hard to always put one ahead of the other. And I think uh, as watching those guys grow and develop, I think they also understand that they all help each other become better players as well because they're not a one guy. People are going to, it's hard to defend us because we spread that ball around. And then we're not even really talking much about what's happening up inside. Yeah. You know, Mike Nowitzki, Dominic Pooney. But, you know, there's a guy like Amar uh, uh, J. Adams Reed who's, who's played multiple spots. Michael Ford has been asked to be. Uh, 
a Swiss Army knife for us in the offensive line, and they have played a ton of football as well as Bryce Cable do. We've had those same guys working together now for almost three years, give or take one or two additions. And, and, and the work that they've done, we talk about Devin and we talk about a Daniel Highshaw, and we go through all these names, but it's those guys up front whose names never get mentioned. We talked earlier about staff retention, and this year we actually lost a staff mm-hmm. member, Andy Colton, a guy been with you forever. Talk about the the, the transformation or, or what what needs to happen. You, you yeah. brought a, you brought Jeff in, and he and and at a time when he's got to acclimate himself with an offense. Yeah, and and that's happening. You know, again, as I mentioned earlier, everything keeps speeding up. You used to have these openings; you'd wait till after the bowl game might go to the national convention which is early january and start interviewing people and getting going but everything moves fast and as we know uh, you know coaches get replaced you know you know are, are let go during the season so the movement in behind the scenes keeps happening and the same thing happened there at penn state for andy to get his opportunity and and you know andy was you know we're together 11 years and i appreciate everything andy's given our programs all at all three stops along the way but uh, as he looked at it in his career, it was a chance for him to see it done differently at, at a school with a fine, fine tradition. Jeff Grimes is really coming in right now for the last, oh, little over a week now, really in an observation role. You know, he's, he's there, he's in some meetings, he's done a little bit of recruiting. But right now, Jim Zabrowski's running the offense, and, and Jim was a coordinator for me at my, my first three years as a head coach. He's been a play caller, he's organized things, and and uh, so he's going to take that with the help of the rest of the staff. Jeff is there in an in a observation suggestion mode as they meet. And then when we turn over after this game and we return after the holiday, then, then he'll kind of resume, uh, assume all those coordinator roles and work in collaboration. Because as I told our players, we've been very successful on offense. I love what we're doing. It's really what I've always kind of – felt I wanted our offenses to be between motions and shifts and what we do in the run game and the complementary stuff in it, the option game that we, we've implemented, all of those things. And I told Jeff that besides putting his own little twist on it, I wanted to keep terminology and philosophy and, and schematics as, as much the same as possible. Can you give us a deeper glimpse into the bowl selection process. You know, as two mm-hmm. basketball guys, we automatically think of, okay, hey, selection Sunday, <laughs> uh, seedings, rankings, matchups, yeah. who and where we're going to play, so on and so forth. What does that look like from a bowl perspective side? Like how soon did you know? Uh, were you following, hey, we can end up here in Shreveport and maybe in Dallas and Phoenix? Hey, we like this matchup. What was your thought process and your exposure in that, um, in that kind of cool uh, dynamic? And then uh, what are some keys to, to making sure we're, we're successful in Phoenix against UNLV? Well, bring me back to that last point because I'll probably ramble on this other one because I learn every year about how this works. And, and I'll say no matter where it's at, you just never know. You, you just don't like there's there's a process with bull tie-ins and and uh, that you know big 12 big 10 was was what was the matchup to be now we have like eight bull tie-ins in our conference there is a pecking order to that so part of the things were always going to be predicated on and that's why you go how soon do you know you don't know quite for sure because it was going to be what was going to happen in the college football playoff was texas going to get in okay and you know, some people would say, 
you know, if Georgia would have beat Alabama, what have that done? And as far as undefeated, where all the undefeated teams just made the playoffs. And then so once Texas made it, then it goes to the New York Six Bulls, and that's where Oklahoma is. So, so then, then it gets into the next tier. And then there's, a, there's an or, ranked order. I don't know how that's determined, but then the Bulls start to pick. And you start to get an idea. We have people come to games throughout the year, but it's not the old way. We used to, they used to recruit you, and then schools. I remember when I first started this, yeah, and then sometimes you'd guarantee tickets. how many yeah, tickets yeah, you're yeah. going to sell. And all. well, that that's kind of gone by the wayside. So, um, I was kind of prepared for that when I took this job. And last year, we'd maybe have a way to do that. That that's really not part of it. I do, you know, they do look at how many people will travel. But uh, so, and as I said earlier, the guaranteed rate bowl is between the Big 12 and the Big 10. And I, and I did know for the part that it was like pointing, you know, it was pointing this direction with Houston kind of the other option. We had heard that Orlando was going a different direction more than likely. So it was kind of going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, about 90 minutes before the official announcement came, I had somebody tell me, yeah, they're looking for a matchup with you, and it could be a Mountain West school. And I'm like, well, what happened to the Big Ten? Well, I don't know if they didn't have enough slots and some other – because Bulls do have the opportunity to trade, and they make swaps and there's other Passing. things. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. sometimes you don't know, and sometimes it could be a locality thing of draws and where they think they can make it. So I don't know, but it, it would be an interesting topic someday. But as it went through, I'd, I'd someone say that it was looking UNLV – I heard it was possibly Wyoming. I heard there were some different things that earlier it was going to be Northwestern or Maryland. So, uh, but uh, so the mystery and the controversy wasn't just no. to Florida State. It no, kind of like trickles <laughs> exactly. down. There's a ripple effect, like yeah. throughout yes. the whole bowl selection it, process when the CFP has something, it, um, you it, know, probably that it, significant. It does, and when the CFP goes into this, and when and I remember. 15, 16 years ago when I was coaching Division Three football, people asked me what I thought of the Bulls, and I think it should be a playoff because in Division Three we had 32 teams. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Yes, I want yeah. your, your commissioner of college football, what do you do? Okay, I don't know if you heard the one Chip Kelly had the other day. I got to watch, but uh, uh, I would uh, – here's my idea. Uh, I better wait some other time. Okay. Camera. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll give it to you off camera. Yeah, yeah. And fine. then you tell me but if it's any good. I, then we'll bring it back on <laughs> camera. I, 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 will, I will direct our audience to one. There was a uh, – rest in peace, Mike Leach. He had a great press yeah. conference that, that yeah. talked about <laughs> in his own little span. It was yeah, it, it is. And all, all I was going to really say on it, though, guys, is whatever we do, all we're going to do is change the arguments and debates and what's going to be talked on sports talk radio and all these things. Because just like in basketball, besides the top seeds and a few matchups here and there, surprises, then what a, a selection Sunday or whatever, they always go to who got left out. Right. And that's what they go to next. And that's the same thing that's going to happen. It could be four, it could be eight, or 12, they can go to 32. Which one seed has who the Who got bracket, left yeah. out. Yeah, and who got left out. So um, I do think we're trending in the right direction. I, you know, we have to be very careful in our sport because of total amount of games. And then, of course, with the games, we talk about the money and the other things. So then we're going to get back to what, what are the players getting out of it. And as this comes, who knows? As it, but we are trending towards a professional model in, well, in our scheduling. Well, we know our matchup. 
And so yep. tell us about the matchup and yeah. how you like it. You know, uh, Barry Odom, you know, former head coach at, at Missouri, uh, he's the defensive coordinator at Arkansas last year and took the UNLV job, I think the day after the announcement we were playing Arkansas, um, has done an outstanding job. He's brought in like 53 new players, you know, so it's probably one that's, doesn't get talked of as much as Colorado, but he's brought in a lot of players. Um, they made a quarterback change early in the year and one with a, with a freshman, and uh, he, he was like player of the year. He's been very good. They got an All-American receiver, a transfer from Michigan State in uh, white, and, and they're pretty dynamic. And um, they call their offense a go-go offense, and it is they have some similar concepts with some option game and movements and shifts and a lot of different things than we do. So it could be a very exciting game, and and uh, on both sides of the ball, they've I think they won nine games, had their best year in a long time, lost to an excellent Boise team in in the Mountain West Championship game, and for a team that wasn't even picked to be close to it, I, it's been a great year, and we know that they feel that. Uh, they can end this season on another great note. They beat they beat an SEC team in Vanderbilt early in the year, and they, I'm sure they're gonna they played Michigan early in the year, and now they're gonna they're gonna wrap it up with another Power Five team. So we got to be ready to go. Well, here we are, the week of December 18th. Uh, talk about your week leading up to the bowl. What what the travel schedule will be? What will happen when you go down to the Phoenix area to an area that you've at Jordan Peterson? I know has pulled a few recruits out of coming to, to KU as well, right? Well, signing day's Wednesday, and I can't talk about anybody until then. But, okay. uh, you know, we're, we're hoping that turns out to be a, a good thing for us. And I appreciate you reminding me it's the 18th because this time of the year you never know. Right. And, and Christmas, Christmas sneaks up on us during these times so fast. So, But, um, yeah, we, we, we've kind of broke this up. I really like the way our schedule's gone. We, we gave our players a, a almost 10 days off. You know, it's been a long year. We talked earlier off camera about load load management right. and things. We we you know it's a pretty physical year and we had to give them some time. We've practiced on these last two weekends. Um, we've gone Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we we practiced yesterday. Their players are off today. We will go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We will meet uh, uh, Friday morning and then after meetings there'll be meetings only. We'll head to the airport and, and and head to Phoenix and then we'll get in two practices down there and a walkthrough and be ready to go. We did talk off camera about load management, you know, basketball guys and football guys. How much have you changed as a coach <laughs> when it comes to that concept that the NBA has kind of made that, that term, term something, yeah. but it's, it's trickled down to football, basketball, whatever. Yeah, we, we do a lot. I, I think both sports use GPS units and, and, and watching player loads and, and volume during practices and games. But uh, for us also, um, you know, we got to – we have to like really gauge the amount of contact as well as certain player has in those ways. So, and I mentioned earlier, you know, we, you know, first year here, we're the youngest power five football team in college football, third youngest overall. Well, now we got a guys that play, they played a lot of yeah. games and that's also, and again, it's, so we, we need to be smart and we need to respect that with our players of what they know and what they've been through and, and trust them in how they prepare as well. So we've really modified a lot of things that we've done in practice, probably more so than I ever would have, because I remember I probably made a mistake my first year at Buffalo was we had two guards hurt and I'm like, Oh, we got to play. We got to practice in pads. We got to get, got to get ready for these two new guys to start and do this. Cause we're fighting for a bowl opportunity. Well, it really hurt the morale and the mindset of the other guys. 
and I didn't do a good enough job explaining. I should have found a better way to, to practice and, and get us that opportunity. We ended up falling, falling, uh, falling short. I mean, guys, college football is specifically unique in that. What other sport, and I know the answer, it's no other sport, finishes their season and then has to wait multiple weeks in order for the yeah. culmination of that season of, you know, a bowl championship-type performance and environment. And so what are some of the, the nuances of, of having to keep guys sharp, keep right. them engaged, but also, hey, giving them a little bit of a breather after a long season, getting guys healthy, and then also wanting to finish the season on, on, on a high note. Right. That's that's a balancing act, and you can really watch that in bowl games. You know, who's ready, who's not. I thought you were going to say something like, we're the only sport. It's like, you know, basketball season's over. Guys take a week or so off, and what do they do? They go play pickup or something, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, you know, I didn't see a bunch of guys playing pickup tackle football <laughs> anywhere. True. So it, it's hard, and, and timing and, and fundamentals, and, and you watch – you know, some is, some is discipline, but it, but it, but it's also you know how well do teams tackle in a bowl game because it's so hard to practice that anyway, and then you take multiple days off and your practices are a little sporadic. You got to make sure that uh, that you're you're ready to. What is your contact game. right now? How much? It's it, we've really backed it down. It's a lot of what we call thud and wrapping right. up and taking off because again now. When we do work our tackling, those are all more drill work. Sure. It's not, you know, um, it used to be you, you, you would do a scrimmage sometime right. along the way. But then, again, you can't afford to get anybody hurt. You don't want to get anybody hurt. So uh, it, it's almost like fall camp again where you go, we need to, but we got to be smart here and all those different things to get ready to go. Basketball on Saturday we played at Assembly Hall, really cool venue and all mm -hmm. that. If you – could pick anywhere in the country to go play. What what stadium would you? If it, you know, obviously you got to be more strategic about how you schedule road games. But let's just throw all that out the window. Where would you like to take your team on the road? Pure environment, pure environment. Hmm. Yeah. This time of year, the best environment I've ever had a chance to be in around the house is, is the Rose Bowl. It's it's to me a setting like no other. Okay. And again, and to me, you go back to traditions. We don't. We've lost a lot of traditions along the way, but that is one. Um, you know, um, you know, we're at Buffalo. We played at Penn State a couple times. That environment, but again, if you're talking a neutral site environment where it's at, um, I would, I would have to stay. Speaking of environment, one of the unique things about. Uh, the Guarantee Rate Bowl in Arizona, which we're excited about. Got a lot of incredible Jayhawks down there. I know a lot of folks that are changing their holiday plans to get down there uh, to support you and the boys, which is great. Uh, but it's in a baseball stadium, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I remember uh, early 90s, late 90s, back when uh, NFL teams and, mm -hmm. and MLB teams would share stadiums. Sometimes you would still have the infield on there. And I was talking yep. with a, a former chief yesterday about – uh, the difference between man having which footwear, what type of cleats you're going to wear to help with the grass yeah. or to help with the you know the the infield. I don't think that's going to be the case right. uh, this game. But but have you ever played in a baseball stadium and and do you affect that? Do you think that'll affect much about the the environment or coaching or sideline or things like that? Uh, no, first of all, no, I have not ever coached in a, in a baseball stadium that I can remember. I had some practices uh, along the way. Um, I think when you say that, what is what's your um, What's your coach's press box view? How high? How big? What can you see? Because sometimes you end up with some tough angles. 
I don't know. I have not heard of that being an issue at, at this venue. Um, like you said, I grew up uh, in Wisconsin, close to Milwaukee. And uh, when I was growing up, the Green Bay Packers used to play one preseason and two regular season games in Milwaukee at the baseball stadium. And then, uh, so I w- I've gone to a game and, and watched it, but actually, like you're saying, with the infield dirt in, in a certain spot, depending on how the layout was. So, um, yeah, it's kind of exciting. It's kind of different, but um, I haven't heard of anything that's going to prevent our players from having a good time. And uh, I know they're going to have the roof closed, and uh, it, it's going to be uh, an opportunity for our guys to do something and experience something different. And I do think, whether it be the locality of the bowl or something like playing in this type of stadium with a closed uh, roof and, and things like that are experiences that make the bowl special, right, yeah. that make memories. And, and, I, and I do hope through everything else that is changing in our sport that we don't lose sight of, of some of these and, uh, and hopefully we'll create many more. Well, how about some final thoughts on just this season to our fan base about how the last two yeah. years where we've sold out the booth yeah. and the, the environment. And we're going to, like Wayne and I said, it's going to get messy. It's going to be tough. That's called progress because right. as we look out the window, we, we, you know, the games will be entirely different here next year. But kind of your final thoughts on on saying goodbye to this and to our fan base about how important they are to, to your success and the feeling your coaches and your players get when they come out here yeah. and all the hard work is well, sometimes you don't notice the big difference, Greg, until you see see it really happen. And what do I mean by that? I can I look back to our very first game here against South Dakota, okay, and what the environment was and what we're kind of getting, you know. And again, even in that game, it had its moments of uh, crowd impact and and volume and things like that. Um, and then I can remember, um, I think Duke was our first sellout um, a year ago. And, and Matt Gildersleeve, our strength coach, come and comes up to me, you know, right in those moments after the coin toss and before the kickoff, there's that little lull. And he, he comes up, he goes, can you believe this? Can you believe this already? And it was like, it was such a great feeling. And then this year, I kind of look at some of those sellouts again, the Oklahoma game, and then it was like, oh, shoot. And then the weather kind of threw yeah. a wrench into it. But it because we, we, we had such a good vibe going and, Big noon kickoff was here, and all those things that you're saying. We're getting these national sh- pregame show to Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, to see that. And then I go back to the very last game of the year. That would that might have been the best environment that that I've been a part of uh, as a head coach. And the and and people didn't leave. And it was one of those that had it had juice in it the whole the whole night, and it was awesome. And and again. And I think for some of you that have been affiliated with this athletic department and, and university and community forever, it's probably a little bit different for a guy who's been here 30 months. But um, to see things changing and see him improving and that this place, you know, whether it be in next year or, you know, 18 months, whenever it is when it's at completion, this venue will be something special and it will be modernized in a way that uh, that'll make the experience for the fan and the energy in the stadium something that uh, I think it's going to make people uh, it'll make it a difficult place to come play. And and a little pub here for us, and we got a preview center over there. You've been to it. Yep. 
to see what the stadium will transform into mm -hmm. and, and, you know, how the, there's 18 new premium areas and there's, there's all kinds of new opportunities to get involved. And you can call me, you can call Wayne. We say that on every show, but get over. Yeah. Just, we, we can see it from over here, right on the corner of Mississippi, uh, just on the uh, east side of the stadium. It, it's really, you, you, you went and sat through it. Yeah. And it it, it kind of gives you goosebumps. Right. Next time we should do one over there. Should you think good idea? I yeah, I appreciate you yeah. opening up your office, yeah. giving us your time. In a busy week, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of a busy week. Anything well, for us, huh? Absolutely, and I, you, you know, guys, I appreciate what you guys do behind the scenes as well because the success that that we've been able to have in this short time is because of efforts of people like yourself and so many others, as I've said, and uh, you know, we can't do it alone, and um, and it's only going to get better so thank you yeah and to our supporters and our donor base it's not just the stadium it's not just annual i mean it's we're asking our donor base to be involved in so many different yeah, things is. and 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 uh, you and i and, and wayne we talk about it almost every day and it's something that our our fan base is behind us and and we really yeah. there, there's no greater time than now i mean this is this is it and and for us to continue to elevate as an athletic department, which, which I think is what uh, uh, we've done. It, you, this is now your third year, but the, the camaraderie we hear about all the time, the synergy between our administration, our alumni association, our endowment, mm -hmm. all of our athletic programs is, is as good as I've ever seen it. It's the best that I've ever been a part of. You know, and, that's a, and, and again, there's, because I think this place, this university, our administration from Chancellor on down, has done a, a, as good a job as I've ever seen of making sure that, and I think that we can all be successful together and everyone will benefit from it. And, uh, you know, uh, Coach Self and the basketball program has shown that for what, they, what, what it's done for this university for, for decades. And I think the, the, the small slivers of, of success we're having at this time is, is shown that, the university is going to also prosper from. And because of that, we've been able to do it. And, and um, you know, Greg, I'd say this as well. You know, people have said, you know, they'll ask us about our staff and the future and you're saying retention of people. You know, what about a bigger program? This is a big program. This is a big program. We are a Power 5 football program, and we're going to make it the best Power 5 football program we possibly can. And there, and there, there is no other need for people, staff, players, or whatever, to do and look anywhere else if we do this correctly. I got one last thing I just thought of that we haven't talked about is the new Big Twelve and in the transformation of some some departures and yeah. and kind of give me a, a sense of what you uh, about the our, our new. Newly well, invited. Well, yes. we had you know we had the four new ones this year, and I and I'd say, and that's another thing that we got to keep in the forefront is you know when you add when you add universities from Houston, Orlando, Provo, Utah, soon to be Salt Lake and Cincinnati, they, those are more populated football states that recruiting and everything, and when they get the newer money and those things happen, they're going to continue to grow. So, again, that's why it's a no-let-up situation. And then Colorado coming back in. And then, of course, you'd mention us, you know, again, going to this bowl game in Arizona could not time up better probably because 
those two universities are going to be part of our conference. So I, I think it's all exciting. It's going to make it uh, extremely competitive. But I think with the two departing schools that have maybe more, uh, more resources along the way and, uh, and, and maybe some of those traditions, it even makes what has been a highly competitive conference these last two years even more so because it is going to be a week-in and week-out battle. No question about it. Well, we appreciate your time. Have a great next week. Have a great holiday season with your family. I'm a, they'll all be there. You'll get yeah. to celebrate Christmas in the desert, right? That's right. I was, though it's tough on families, I always think you're doing something right when you're working on the holidays. But uh, Merry Christmas to the two of you, to, to all our watchers and listeners, and uh, rock chalk. Love it. Well, this has been the Jacker Podcast with Coach Leipold, Wayne Simeon, and I. Thank you. Have a great holiday season. The Jayhawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and Black and Veatch. Rock Chalk. See you in the desert.